The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past and present. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy, and through this series, I'll be speaking to parents who chose to birth their babies at home. Join me and my guests as we hear honest and heartfelt stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. In this episode, Jess shares the stories of her two births. Both of her pregnancies were unplanned but very lovingly received. Her daughter was born in hospital and although the birth was relatively straightforward, Jess describes the experience as traumatic and a catalyst for choosing a very different model of care for her next birth. During her next pregnancy, Jess explored several options for home birthing and opted to have the birth attended by a birth keeper rather than a midwife. She describes the whole experience as an exercise in tuning into her intuition and exercising autonomy over all of her choices. Jess runs a wonderful women's circle in the Yarra Valley, where I'm located, and you can follow her on Instagram at welcome to Jessland to find out more about how to access her circle and her new offerings as they unfold. I hope you enjoy today's story. Hi Jess, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Hi Indy, yes, I am really well today, enjoying the spring coming out. Um from winter and yeah I'm really well thank you Mm. and you mentioned earlier that you were um that you live in the Dandenong Ranges in Mm. Victoria Mm. and you guys have been hit by some pretty nasty storms have things has everything been cleared up for you now or how how that's a whole story in itself Um, (laughs) but yeah um yeah we're okay our neighbors lost their home which was actually really scary for us um and like two nights ago, a tree branch fell again and it was like a whole PTSD thing. Um, but yeah, we're okay. We're feeling very lucky, but also really still feeling the effects of all of that really. Um, I love it here, but yeah, it, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was really terrifying. I think people all around Australia just had really no idea. It wasn't really covered too much, mm. but um, pretty dramatic event. Mm. Yeah. And would you like to share a little bit more about who's in your family and what you get up to for work if you're working at the moment? Um, yeah. So did you say who is in my family? Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. I thought you said choosing and I was like, oh. Yeah, like your favourite. Tell us about your favourite. <laughs> um, so I have two children. And so my daughter is three. Her name is Flo. And I have a just very recently turned one-year-old um, son named Dharma and and my husband, who is, whose name is Mitch. And, yes, we live in the Daniel Ranges. And I currently am not working, but I'm feeling very – oh, that's not true. I, I run um, a monthly women's circle, which is kind of like a kind of work, um, but – yeah, I haven't done much else since Dharma was born, um, but I'm really feeling the energy to begin getting more involved in work or creation, really, um, in the coming times. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Unpaid work and community work and, and caregiving work is definitely still work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... Going back to your daughter's, your first pregnancy with your daughter, how did that conception come about? Were you planning to start a family? Um, we weren't planning to start a family when, yeah, when we conceived my daughter. Um, we had just spoken about it for the first time when, like when it happened, like the day before it happened, I was like, I feel like I want this. And it was something I'd never actually really considered like before then. And then it happened like immediately immediately. 
and it was definitely a bit of a shock but um after like the initial shock of it um we really came to a place of excitement and yeah got all on board mm, amazing yeah and um, and that first time around, I think you said that you chose a hospital birth. How did you really know much about your options or how did you go about choosing a care provider? Um, so we were living in regional Victoria when during this pregnancy. So I did, I feel like I was quite informed and did know quite a bit about my options. Um, and so I, I did meet with a, a home birth midwife um, we just had a quick phone call, so I didn't really get to know her that well. But it just didn't feel like the right fit for me. Um, and then I and then I was like enrolled in the hospital system, but was also kind of like, oh, maybe I just won't go to the hospital. Um, so that was kind of my plan, but it didn't really work out like that. In I got very swept up in the testing and um, yeah, like the, mainly the testing that was involved throughout my pregnancy that led to me being induced on my due date. Um, mm. Yes. Yeah, right. And um, and just going back a little bit, how, how were you feeling and how were you uh, in mm-hmm. your body during your pregnancy? Were you- yeah, um, I was pretty well. Like I had morning sickness for a little while, but it, it, um, it was pretty short-lived. And, um, yeah, I felt very like in my body and connected with my body in ways, but also um, something that was like a big theme for me throughout that pregnancy was um, how like I wasn't really showing very much, like my tummy wasn't very round and, you know, traditionally pregnant. It didn't like it barely looked like I was pregnant up until like I don't even know, like maybe like 35 weeks, like you couldn't tell if I walked past in the street and I had a lot of, um, I guess, body image stuff come up around that. Um, I feel like that was like probably one of the main themes of that pregnancy emotionally for me, um, which is really interesting because in the past I'd had body image, um, yeah, stuff come up surrounding my body being too big, but then I was feeling it like my body is too small and not doing this right. So, yeah, it was um, a challenging experience um, in ways, but it was also like very easy. Um, that was just like the one aspect that I would say I struggled with throughout the pregnancy. Mm, yeah. And did you find, was there anything, did you get any support for that or did you find anything was particularly helpful in overcoming it or was just sort of moving through it and, and coming out the other side after birth? Um, I think... I think that I I didn't really seek support like outside of myself and my partner and probably some friends. Um, like I didn't go seek um, like medical or like a psychological support, um, which could have been good in hindsight, um, like psychological, like seeing a psychologist about it could have been really good for me. But um, I feel like I mainly moved through it like pretty well by myself and just like recognizing like how I think like having that experience of like a polarity of like feeling like my body was too big to then feel like it was too small was like well that's silly like like to feel both of those things like on different like the different um ends of the scale like this is clearly my mind um like yeah creating this like it like I am perfect like I always am so I think like having the two experiences like helped that like yeah it helped having the differing experiences. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Amazing. <laughs> and um and yeah, being your first time um pregnancy, did you do any additional birth support or did you do the course that was offered by the hospital or what sort of things did you do to educate yourself and prepare for labour? Yeah, we um we did like an in-person um, hypnobirthing course, which was really great the first time around. And um, I did a lot of reading. Like I, I read a lot of books on birth, like the Down to Earth Birth book by Jenny Blythe was like really big one for me and my partner. We read that several times. Um, yeah, I think that um, the hypnobirthing and that specific book were the main ways I didn't do like a course at the hospital I don't think I was actually offered that either um but 
yeah, I was happy to have done the hypnobirthing um, rather than that. Mm, yeah. And so um, coming around, it sounds like um, things sort of escalated towards the end of your pregnancy with some extra tests and things. Was that related to you being um, like measuring a bit small? Yeah, it was. So I was having a lot of ultrasounds because there was, um, I guess, there was fear from the the care providers that my daughter was going to be small um, and, like, the ultrasounds were giving very varying pictures of that. Like, sometimes she was, like, nearly at the size that they wanted her to be and sometimes they were – she was smaller. Um, yeah, so – that was that was kind of what was happening to lead to the induction. Yeah, yeah. And um, and how did you feel when they recommended an induction? Were you kind of at the point where you were feeling a bit afraid and like it was necessary, or um, yeah, what was your sort of response to them telling you that they'd like you to be induced? Yeah, um, it had been on the cards for a while. They, I think, like they first presented it when I was maybe like I talked about it for a while when I was maybe like 30 like 30 weeks plus like it might be something that needs to happen around 37 weeks and I said no I didn't feel comfortable with that it didn't make any sense to me if my baby was small like why would we um yeah why would we try and get her out early um but then yeah like when it came around on my due date I had a scan and um it was actually um a midwife that shared with me that um the in to do the induction it seemed like it was necessary and I think hearing it from someone like a midwife that I had trusted um more so than like the passing um obstetricians is that I can't remember if that's what they're called (laughs) um but yeah like a midwife I trusted was like ah it seems like yes, like it is the time to do this now. And when that was shared with me, um, it just felt like it felt like it was the choice I had to make. And I felt like I had, I had to surrender to it, surrender to it. And I, yeah, I feel like it it was the right choice for me in that moment. Um, Yeah, it didn't, might not have felt that way afterwards, but I, I don't think I could have done anything different in the position I was in as a first time mother with all of the information that was coming at me, um, it was the choice that felt right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, do you want to just take us through the um, that birth um, from this, from when you went into the hospital to mm-hmm. be introduced and how things sort of played out from there? Yeah, so we went in like a few hours later. Um, so I had a scan and then we went home and then they called and said, you need to come back and do the induction on my daughter's due date. And so we went in and um, we were waiting outside birth suite for a while. And at that stage, like, I I actually didn't realise, we didn't realise what was happening. Like, we knew, like, the different methods of induction, but I had no idea that, like, if it lasted a certain amount of time, I'd be moved or my husband would have to go home. I don't think anyone had said anything about those things, which I just feel called to share um, because that was pretty scary for me when we went in finally to the birth suite. And we were told the things, like we already signed the forms, we're in, inside of the, I guess, the system moving through the birth. And, um, yeah, I was told that, like, Mitch would probably have to leave and I was really upset about that. You were doing um, the interview. But anyway, um, it's all good. <laughs> Great. Um, um, I was just saying, was your husband not able to stay with you because he wasn't sort of being admitted and, and he couldn't stay overnight? Yeah. yeah, so it was like um, they wanted to do the induction, but then if I, I didn't progress immediately, I'd have to go stay on the maternity ward um, and then he would have to go home. But I, that that didn't actually happen to me, but that was just what was presented after we had kind of entered the hospital, um, which was right. yeah, yeah actually really emotionally hard and upsetting for me. I was really scared um, and I would have really appreciated hearing that beforehand. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but he um, thankfully, yeah, they checked my cervix. They did a internal examination, and um, it wasn't like there was it wasn't open. Um, so they were going to have to do like a synthetic um, induction, like with pintocin or like with a cream, I believe, um, which was a bit disappointing for me because I I really was hoping to 
have as a natural birth as possible. Um, but then when the doctor came back to actually administer that, my cervix had opened, so they did the. I had a balloon catheter um, inserted instead. Um, yeah, so that happened, and I. It was very intense and very painful. Um, and yeah, like I was, I was vomiting, and yeah, we were in the birth suite, and thankfully. Um, I didn't have to leave the birth suite because I think it seemed like firstly I it seemed like it was really moving along fast and secondly because they had space so my husband got to stay um, which I was very grateful for um, and then yeah the next morning we kind of like slept off and on um, while um, experiencing that mm. <laughs> the balloon forcing my mm. cervix open um, the next morning at 6 a.m. someone came in and like broke my waters with a hook, um, which was, again, not a very pleasant sensation. Um, and, yeah, and then from there it kind of just all started happening. Um, my uh, contractions were very, like, they became very strong very fast and, I, um, yeah, I was laboring throughout the day and, um, the midwives weren't very present, um, because we were in, we were in a, um, a group practice program, but, um, the midwife who was on, um, she, it turned out she was allergic to essential oils and we had them diffusing. Mm -hmm. So she was like, I can't be in the room if you're using them. And I, I was just like, okay, well. I'm going to use them. So you guys, you can't be in the room. Um, oh, no. Yeah, it was like, it was weird. Um, and just weird that we hadn't spoken about that either, I guess. But um, yeah, that's, that's the, that was the choice that we made. And so there were, there were midwives that would come in and check on us, but it felt like we were kind of alone as well, which was actually really nice. And I think helpful for my labor um, having so much space um, and, yeah, so I was just laboring throughout the day and um, I think around about one, it was getting very intense for me and they, but then like on the, I had a machine, the machine on my, on my stomach, the, um, the CCT machine, is that what it's called? CTG, I think. Yep. Yeah, CTG. Um, yeah, so, and the, like the midwife was like, oh, your contractions aren't really picking up, so we're going to have to probably administer some Pintocin soon. And I was very like, oh, I don't even care, like whatever. <laughs> I just, this is so hard. Um, but my partner Mitch was really strong and I'm very grateful for him um, like being so aware of like what I actually wanted. And he said like, can we make a negotiation? Can we wait an hour or two hours, I think? And they were like, all right, cool, we'll wait. We'll give you two more hours. And then from there it just kind of all started happening very fast. Um, I my breathing started changing and I wasn't sure what was happening. And um, yeah, like I just kept, I had, I had the sensation to push, but I didn't recognize what that was for a while. And the midwife came in and was like, you just need to breathe normally. And I was like, I can't, like, I just can't, I don't like, I can't help what, what's happening right now. And then they um, eventually checked my cervix again and my daughter's head was like right there. So she, um, she was like, yeah, coming out. So um, there was a rush of people in and I don't even know who or how many people were in the room and, you know, there was equipment everywhere. But I was just like um, facing, like leaning up on the bed so I couldn't see anyone. And, um, yeah, I, I was pushing and my daughter's head came out and I remember that moment was like the stillest moment of my entire life, like between her head coming out and her body um, and it was a, it was a long moment too. And it was really beautiful, like for me tuning into my body and knowing that it was okay that I was taking a break and like that, you know, she was half in, half out. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then she came out and, um, yeah, she wasn't small. She was, she was 3.1 kilos, which is like smallish, but she wasn't what they thought she would be. And she was healthy and fine. Um, Yeah. Mm, amazing. And was she um, was she able to just stay with you, go straight up onto your chest? Or yes, she was. She stayed straight with me. 
and up on my chest. Yeah. Amazing. It must have been such a relief to have her out. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm. And um, with the placenta delivery that time around, how did that go? Um, yeah. So my placenta, um, it, I delivered it after I think 50 minutes, but um, I was offered a lot of like I think I was offered um, yeah some more pintocin to help it along, and I declined. And then the midwives like re- like seemed to really want to um, like hurry it along, so they they asked if it was okay if they pushed down on my tummy, which I I agreed to. Um, which was really uncomfortable and I would not recommend, um, yeah, that happened and then it, and then it came out. So yeah, it was like, I guess like a bit of a longer delivery of the placenta, like 50 minutes isn't that long, but it seemed like at the time that they felt like it was taking a very long time. Um, Mm. yeah. And it was fine. It was all in one, one piece. And, um, yeah, I had quite a short cord, um, which, yeah, I don't know why I'm saying that, just a mm-hmm. random fact. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah, how did you, moving away from that birth, how did you feel emotionally and, and mm-hmm. um, what was it? What was that sort of process like of coming to terms with the way that things were compared to what you may have, may have mm-hmm. felt like you wanted? It's honestly been, it's been a constant unravel for me. Um, I think that at the time I had the birth high and, she was safe and I and it went like pretty well in the scheme of things like knowing the cascade of intervention what could have been possible I was very happy with the outcome at the time um and yeah emotionally I feel like I did really well um at the time like I just felt happy to have made it through but also knew that like my knowing that it because I feel like I had a very strong knowing throughout the pregnancy that she was okay. Like I never felt like when I was told, you know, she was small or like there was lots of concern about what was going on. I always felt like I don't feel that in my body. Um, So I think when she was born I had that like understanding of, oh, I was right. Like I didn't actually need all of that. Um, Like she, I feel very strongly that she was fine. Um. Yeah, so as the years have gone on, and I think especially like closer to oh, when I became pregnant with my son, I've found it more um, like triggering and I felt a lot more um, emotion around the outcome in, um, yeah, I feel like I do use the words traumatic birth, um, even though it went well. I feel like the invasion of um, even just like, doing us like cervical exam and um, the balloon catheter and breaking my waters. And, yeah, I remember like the start of the – when I entered the hospital, I was very like relaxed in my body and I was very like surrendered and like whenever they would touch me or like do an exam, I would try and like breathe and like try and relax my body but by the end of it all like um I had I had one stitch administered after the birth and I remember my legs were like so shaky and like they like every time someone would touch me I would literally jump um so I feel like my body really experienced a trauma in that yeah in that experience and yeah I think for me it's really important to acknowledge that like even though it went well um it still wasn't an experience that, like, that I feel like was necessary. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful that you're able to own that even though in, in, you know, some other's eyes it might not have appeared to be traumatic on a kind of immediate level that everybody mm-hmm. experiences trauma differently and that your feelings about about that birth and, um, you know, how you felt in your body are really valid. So very mm. beautiful that you're able to recognise that and um, and heal through it. Mm. Mm. And, um, yeah, given that experience and you'd already kind of had that um, notion the first time around that maybe you just wouldn't go into hospital and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, how did you come to the decision <clears throat> about what you would do for your next birth? Mm. I feel like I knew like immediately after my first birth that 
um, when I had another child, because it did feel like a when and not an if, I would be birthing at home. And for me, it was just about like how that would work, like who would be present, like what kind of support would be present. Um, And so, yeah, I feel like I knew from like immediately that I wanted to have a home birth, um, that I trusted my body and myself that that was the right way for me going forward and that also I would know if it wasn't the right way. Um, Like, yeah, I just really trusted myself in that. Mm, Yeah, definitely. And um, and just going back to the conception, I think your daughter was about, um, well, she was two years old when your son was born, so um, relatively close gap. How how was that conception? Was that a, a, another happy accident, or was it, did you? Think- <laughs> um, she was two and a half when when he was born, um, so just a slight like mm-hmm. slightly bit older than two. But um, yeah, I think it was it was it was also a happy accident, but it was also like a lot more we were much more ready in we had said that we'd really like to try and conceive um, after we were married and, like, I found out that I was pregnant the morning of my wedding. So I had conceived, like, just before it. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, so we were much more like, yeah, we're doing this. Like, we're doing this very soon. It was just, like, a little tiny bit sooner than we thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, um, And how did you feel? Um, this time around, did you have another um, pretty straightforward pregnancy besides the morning mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very, very similar. Um, it was very straightforward. Um, yeah, I had a bit of morning sickness. It was probably a little bit more intense this time, but I, I would probably put that to caring for a toddler while <laughs> experiencing the sickness um, rather than the sickness actually being different. Um, it was a very similar level and lasted, yeah, probably about like five weeks. Like it had gone by the second trimester. Um, yeah. Yeah. And how did you go about choosing a birth team this time around and, and who did you end up having there for the birth? Yeah. So um, when, yeah, very early in the pregnancy, like probably, so we, yeah, probably about a month in, like after all of the the wedding stuff had settled and we were, and we'd moved house um, to where we're currently living in Upway. Um, I started looking for a team. So I started asking, I had a lot of, a lot more connections in um, the Danina Rangers. So this is where I grew up. And so when I first birthed my daughter um, in regional Vic, it was where my um, husband's family were. And so I didn't really know as many people. Um, but I, yeah, I had like a lot more connections this time around. So I started asking people I trusted like about home birth midwives and birthing options. And I really had a lot of discussions with a lot of different people. Um, I, I spoke to registered midwives. I spoke to unregistered midwives and I also spoke, um, with just with a, with a birth keeper and how I made the decision was actually, um, another one of the care providers I was considering um, asked me or said to me like the person or the the team that you have at your birth, like they need to be the people that you feel like most comfortable and really at home with. And when they said those words, I was like, oh, I know who it is. Um, I like feel like I knew instantly. And yeah, it was a, a birth keeper. So not a, not a midwife. And, um, yeah, her name is Bridget, and so I had just connected her with her really on like a on after a chain of connecting with other um, yeah midwives and um, birth support um, people in the area, and I just felt like that was the right choice for me and my family this time. So mm-hmm. yeah, we chose to um, have her at the birth. Yeah, amazing. And would you like to share a little bit about what she offers in her role as a keeper? Yeah. Um, for me, I feel like what she offered us was um, I felt like she was a guide to bringing me back to myself really. Um, so she wasn't offering medical support. Um, that was our responsibility as um the birthing person and my my husband as my birthing partner um and yeah she offered us a lot of care and yeah I would say like to summarize just like connecting me or reminding me to like to connect with myself and empowering me to 
to lead the way, um, lead the way in my birth and to make the decisions that felt right for me. Um, yeah, we had a lot of um, a lot of sessions throughout pregnancy talking about my fears. I felt like she was like a really good. I felt like she was a very good friend and guide to to talk to you about anything that came up for me, whether it was a fear or like, um, yeah, like nutrition. We talked about nutrition a lot um, and, um, yeah, like how, how I de- ideally wanted to birth. Um, yeah. Hmm. And did you opt to do um, any kind of scans or measuring or any tests at all? Um, I had a scan when I was about seven weeks pregnant because I had several dreams where I thought I was having twins and I was like just really wanting to know that. So I had a scan and found out that I wasn't having twins. But then after that, I didn't have any um, measuring or scans or tests except for a blood test um, or a couple blood tests just to track my levels of, um, yeah, like vitamins and minerals yeah great and um and this time around I know you weren't measuring your belly at all but did you sort of did you show any differently to your first pregnancy Mm, I did show differently like I definitely my my tummy was a bit bigger but I also was not very big in the scheme of things um and I think that is just my body my own unique way of um, experiencing pregnancy and I'm sure I'll be a little bit bigger next time if I if I am pregnant again um, because that's naturally what happens but yeah I, I definitely wasn't um, like the round image that I had imagined I would be I guess <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah approaching kind of the end of that pregnancy how were you feeling and um, how many weeks were you well, roughly when you went into labor yeah, um, I was feeling really good and really, um, really happy with my choice because yes, um, my son Dharma was born. Um, in, he was born in July last year, so it was like in the middle of the COVID lockdown. So I think like when that all kind of came about, I was like, well, I've already made the decision to birth at home, and I couldn't imagine. Like I imagine that if I hadn't made that decision, I would have probably changed to that decision anyway, um, with all of the restrictions. And, um, yeah, so I was feeling really good as I um, approached my birth. Um, I decided to, we decided to have um, a couple other people attend the birth. So we had a friend, um, a good friend who was also interested in birth work come and support my daughter Flo because I really wanted her to be there, but I also really wanted my husband to be really present. And then we also had... um, uh, a new friend who um, was uh, also interested in birth work or birth photography. She had um, um, done birth photography before. She had um, we had her attend as well to capture the birth. Um, and yeah, I was forty weeks and six days when I um, went into labour and birthed. Um, although that was off a due date that I kind of made up because. Um, mm-hmm. Like I went off my last monthly um, bleed, but I also knew like my cycle was a bit longer than normal. So I kind of like, yeah, I kind of guessed it, I guess. I guessed the guess date. Um, But, yeah, it was 40 weeks and six days from that date. Yeah. Yeah. And and how did things kick off for you? Yeah, I was lying in bed. It was 5 a.m. and I felt started feeling like a – a gentle but strong sensation, like tightening sensation. And I'd never experienced um, the natural onset of labour before. So I was like, oh, is this it? Like I think this could be it. Um, And I lay there feeling that for a while and I felt it like continue to um, really amp up for a while. And then I decided to tell my husband because I was like, oh, maybe it's happening. Like maybe it's just going to keep progressing from here. So I let him know. And then – he, he, um, we were lying in bed and my daughter was in the bed with us and we all ended up getting up and, um, we, yeah, we got up, right. Cause I thought that, um, moving around would be good if it was happening. And, 
um, yeah, and then the, the sensations kind of just stopped, um, which was interesting um, for a few hours. Like they happened very occasionally. Um, but, yeah, that was that was like the morning of, of the labour. Mm. Yeah, very slow start. Yeah, beautiful. And were you able to rest at all during that time? Yeah, I was definitely resting like most of the day. I was um, sitting on the couch. We watched a movie together. Um, yeah, and I had a bath. Like I was very restful throughout the day. Um, but, yeah, there weren't many sensations at all for at least like the first half of the day. It, like it kind of just stopped completely. Um, but, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. It's okay. Um. Yeah, amazing. And and we didn't really talk much about in your first birth whether you found the hypnobirthing techniques to be useful. Um, yeah. Do you want to just speak briefly to um, whether those were useful in either your first or your second birth? Mm, I feel like um, I feel like they were very useful for my partner. Um, he uh, got a lot out of it, and it gave him a lot of understanding of how he could help during the first birth. Um, and I think it was helpful for me during my first birth too. Um, like, yeah, it was helpful, but I also feel like my, my most useful tools in my first birth were just like, like I had a sign up that said, um, uh, a Nietzsche, which is the law of impermanence. And I just like kept looking at that. And that was like, really, I feel like what got me through it all. Um, and my breath, of course. Um, but yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really use the hypnobirthing techniques at all d- during my, f- my second labor or pregnancy, because I felt like while they were a useful tool for me at the time, they felt a bit like coached when I, I felt much more confident to listen to myself um, in the second labour. Um, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, and so um, you sort of just moved through that very gentle early labour and at what point did things pick up and you feel like you needed to call in your birth team? Yeah, so I had already called um, Bridget in the morning but I was having a bit of, like, resistance to the birth team coming over in case, like, it wasn't the time, which is so silly in hindsight, but I just didn't want to feel like uh, – a feeling of a needing to perform, <laughs> um, which is so weird to think about. But, yeah, so then I was in contact with them all throughout the day. Um, my friend Kelly, who was coming to support, dropped off like a little care package in the letterbox from my friends. So, um, yeah, it was just like a really beautiful day of um, relaxing and kind of knowing that it was happening. But I was also kind of in a bit of denial because I hadn't experienced it before. I was like, maybe it's not it. Um but, yeah, like as the afternoon went on, Bridget was going to come visit anyway and we kind of kept pushing back the time in case it was actually the birth happening. So um, she came over about 3 p.m. in the end. And by that time, like I definitely was in active labour and eventually uh, um, Mitch, I guess, convinced me to, to let the, um, to let the other, other women, um, Callie and Dana, know to come around. <laughs> Um, and everyone was there by 5 p.m. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, once everybody had arrived, um, how did the labour progress from there and what was what was sort of happening in the room? Mm-hmm. I was in the bath when everyone arrived. Um, <clears throat> so I was in my own space and it was definitely progressing and, um, and then eventually I got out of the bath and I came down and sat in front of the fire while they built, um, they filled the birth pool. Um, Bridget and Kelly and my daughter Flo baked a cake. So they were just kind of tidying the house and they weren't very like, they weren't, they weren't like up in my face in the space. They were very graceful and yeah, just kind of like very, it was a very natural experience of having them there at a distance. Um, yeah, Mitch was often with me, um, rubbing my back or dancing with me and offering me water and he wasn't feeding me because I, I don't, I, neither of my labours I've done well with eating um, throughout the labour. Um, but, yeah, so it was a very, very, like, graceful, natural experience of having these people in my home caring for me and my family um, while I 
yeah, like moved through the sensations in front of the fire um, while the birth pool was filling. I was in lots of different positions and just moving around however it felt um, natural for me really. Mm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, at what stage did you get in the birth pool and, and how did the rest of the birth pan out? Yeah, so I got in the birth pool um, probably – I was I don't I don't really know times like throughout labor but a little while after I came down to the lounge room um it's funny I actually realized that the birth pool was caught I didn't I I I asked what was going on with the birth pool and it turned out that like it was actually cold so then there was a whole like scooping the cold water out mission for for the team that they also did very naturally and gracefully while I was still laboring in front of the fire <clears throat> and eventually um, they got it to be like a good temperature with lots of kettles because our hot water must have run out, which we didn't even realise could happen. Um, uh, but, yeah, so I got in eventually. But at that point I was like very deep in labour and like it wasn't, I remember it wasn't, like it was nice to be in the water but it didn't feel as helpful as when I had been in the bath earlier. It was like just too, it was really deep in labour and, like even the warm water wasn't really gonna um soften the sensations yeah and um yeah did you have the urge to push or um what happens Mm. for the second stage of labor yeah so I I was in the pool for a while before I had the urge to push um I, yeah, I was in there a while for, by myself and my daughter was in there with me and then um, eventually after a while I had like a lot of resistance to asking my husband to get into the pool um, for a similar reason of like not wanting the birth team to come over too early. I just like didn't want him to get in too early. <laughs> um, but then I was like, oh, I need you to come in. And as soon as he got in, I pretty much had the sensation to push. Um, it was very... It was pretty instant. I remember all like within 15 minutes I was like definitely pushing. But the sensation of pushing um, in my second labour was very different. Like it came on much more um, subtly I guess and like it didn't feel like I remember when I was labouring my daughter Flo as I shared it was like I don't know what's happening. My breath is changing and like my body is feeling different, but I guess I knew what it was this time and I just handled it very differently. So, Mm. yeah, it felt like a very smooth progression from not needing to push to pushing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And, yeah, what happened then? How When was he born? Yeah, so um, he was born in the water and it was 9.30 p.m., that evening and my daughter was there she was still awake um she nearly went to sleep but then she got back up um yeah she was um just like outside of the pool she wasn't in the pool with us when he was born but um yeah he he came out and he was very quiet and calm um but he was very very fine (laughs) very um like, I, yeah, I knew he was fine. Um, he didn't really respond for a little while, but then um, my daughter made a big sound. Like, I think she said, there's a baby. And then he had a big cry, <laughs> um, I think, because obviously it was a loud sound after pretty complete silence in awe of him. Um, yeah. Gorgeous. What were those first kind of couple of hours like with him? Yeah, they were very special and very different. It was a very different experience to my first um, birth in. Like I, I was so felt so held by the people around me, um, but also like like that, that. Yeah, they just like no one touched my son except for me and and my husband and Flo probably gave him a little pat um, <laughs> on the head. Um, yeah, it was just a very natural and um, peaceful experience Um, we hopped out of the pool after a time and like got cuddled up on the couch Um, and yeah it was Mm. it was very peaceful 
And how was your placenta delivery this time? Yeah, my placenta delivery this time was actually really different. So um, I actually didn't um, deliver my placenta for eight hours, um, which is a bit unheard of, but it was totally like I was fine. Um, I, after my daughter went to bed after a while and I was like kind of wanting to get it out because I was a bit over it, like having my son because we were doing a lotus birth so my son was connected to the cord which was still in like inside of me so it was a bit awkward um but yeah I I was trying to like bear down a little bit um but then it wasn't really coming out and I just we made the decision in the end um to just go to bed (coughs) so I went to bed and my birth team left. Um, Bridget offered to stay and sleep on the couch um, if we wanted the extra support, but we felt really, I felt really fine and we said, like, she was there if we wanted to call her. So we said, no, go home and get some sleep. And um, and then, yeah, I went to sleep with Dharma on my chest in our bed and then I got up at 5 a.m. and I, I had a bowl in the toilet ready because I, I didn't want it to obviously fall in and then, pull on him um pull the cord off on him but I did I went to do a wee and the placenta just came out um and that was it (laughs) so it was very simple but very different from I guess I I haven't really heard of many other people having their placenta um stay in for that long and I guess because in a hospital that wouldn't really be allowed yeah, no, definitely not. Or, or, or at a home birth with a private midwife, I doubt. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Oh, gorgeous. And, um, yeah, how did you feel kind of emotionally coming away from that birth? Yeah. Um, it was it, it, it was like such a pivotal moment for me. Um, it was a very healing experience um, from my first birth. I think for myself and also for my daughter, having her present and like witness birth in that way, um, I feel like for our relationship, yeah, it was so special. Um, And, yeah, we've just come up past his first birthday, so I've really been reliving those feelings recently and I just feel so grateful to myself and and my partner um, for making the choices that we did in deciding to have a free birth. Um, It felt so right and um yeah the fruit that has come from that experience has just been so massive for me and yeah my son is so healthy and happy and um calm and uh, yeah I feel like that birth imprint that um that we had together is going to or has created a really special relationship um not to say that my relationship with my daughter isn't as special it's just different um, but yeah, I really feel like the way that he entered the world um, was really significant for him and I. Mm, yeah, beautiful. Mm. And would you like to share a little bit about um, what your postpartum was like in the middle of lockdown? Yeah. Um, yeah, what sort of things did you do to kind of build your village at a time when we were very physically disconnected? Yeah, so I um, I had uh, I had a lot of support. We had a meal train, and we also used a system called the Seven Sisters of Support, which is traditionally having like one person come and help you one day of the week um, for like so the seven days of the week, having one sister for each day. And we didn't have seven sisters. We had I think five yeah I think we had five um yeah so we did have people coming around to help us um which I I know was not really I guess it wasn't really allowed but also like I think under care I would say that it was okay um but yeah the meal train was massive like people even strangers like in our neighborhood dropping off meals to our door was like it was really beautiful that coming together of community even when we weren't able to all be together um yeah and I had 
I had a lot of support. Like I had really thought about my postpartum and wanting the support, I think especially for my daughter because it was already so much um, social isolation going on and having this big significant event of having becoming a, having a sibling come into the world. I really wanted it to be an easeful um, transition for her to being a big sister um, and my, thankfully, Mitch, my husband, was home too. He was home pretty much all of last year because he is a teacher and he does. He was doing casual relief teaching, which wasn't really a thing last year. Mm. Um, so yeah, we did have a lot of support still, even though we were in lockdown. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a very. It was a very challenging time in a lot of ways. Like when he was one week old was when like we went into like the first stage four lockdown where like lots of rules came in and that was really hard emotionally for me. Like I felt like I'd been in this bubble of his birth and like having that um, kind of come into place and happen it really took me out of it, like took me out of the bubble for a few days. And, I mean, like my hormones were really going wild as well um, at that point. And so I was very emotional and just not feeling grounded um, understandably. But, um, yeah, I think that we did a really great job of um, of dealing with all of the change that came um, during that early postpartum period. And we still did have a lot of support, which I'm really grateful for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you did a beautiful job and kind of made it all work. And, and yeah, definitely um, – and definitely taking care of newborn mothers and newborn babies falls under caregiving. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was such a pleasure to chat with you today. <laughs> Sorry about my scratchy, sick voice and coughing. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. My, yeah, I feel like I sound sick as well. It's just <laughs> what happens at this time of the year. And thank you so much for listening to my story and allowing me to share it with you. Um, I really appreciate it. Mm. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be very gratefully received by lots of people. So, yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into today's episode with Jess. You can find some gorgeous photos from her birth on the website, which is www.keepbirthwild.com.au, um, or also on Instagram at keepbirthwild.podcast. And again, if you'd like to follow Jess on Instagram as well and find out what she's up to, um, her Instagram handle is welcome to Jessland, which is all one word. I look forward to bringing you another episode soon, whenever I can. 